cliffcentral.com. I'm Jakob Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about connectivity in a hybrid work world. We're chatting about different types of fiber that's available, how hybrid working has changed the outlook on connectivity, and what the common misconceptions are that business have around fiber connectivity. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how to optimize the connectivity for your business. I'm joined by Ulrich Son, uh, Chief Sales Officer for Frogfoot Networks. Ulrich, welcome. Thank you, Aku. Excited to be here. And yeah, the title sounds nice. Sounds a bit fancy, but I'll take it. Well, what's the abbreviation of CSO? CSO. Yeah, but actually I'm just a sales guy at art, so. Okay, excellent. Yeah. So, so let's start with that. You, you're not a spring chicken in the industry anymore. What's uh, your background? No. So, I don't know. Do you want the highlights package or the long version? You, you the sales guy. You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I kind of started as an engineer actually with Huawei Technologies back in the day when um, 3G testing was still a thing um, with all the mobile operators. So, transition into a bit of project planning with some subcontractors building masks for Vodacom. And then um, was lucky enough to join NetOne UEPS at the time. I don't know if you remember Prism Payment Technology. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so I was there for about a year and a bit and then um, fortunately got promoted to GM of Prism Payment Technologies, mostly because the boss resigned. So I was quite lucky. Um, and that was quite lucky, just developing sims, developing lots of software on some modules. So that was quite exciting. So career path was looking good and I got contacted by an agency to join a company called Dark Fiber Africa, DFA, as they are known today, as a key account manager. And I don't know, but the universe just called me and said, hey, you must do this. So probably a bit of a demotion, but joined DFA in 2011 as an account manager. And now's the perfect time to use the analogy. The rest is history. Because at the time when I joined DFA, it was, um, you know, it's difficult for a salesperson to admit this, but orders were easy because yes. their, their business model was kind of built around following mobile operators. So the mobile operator said, here's the order book, just go build. So it was lovely. It was a good time to do connectivity. Um, DFA was about eight years of my life and then transitioned into liquid telecoms, basically doing the same thing. Okay. Uh, managing wholesale connectivity team. Um, that ended in December of last year and took a bit of a break just to spend some time with the family, watch Netflix, put on a lot of weight. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, I think better for it. Needed some time just for the break. And now I'm at Frogfoot. Okay, excellent. Um, mm. So we're going to, um, and I think you alluded to now the, to the, let's call it the easy days or the high days of connectivity. We'll, we'll get back. I want to get back to that. But uh, maybe because we haven't, I think in the last, in the last year at least, we haven't um, spoken about it. So what are the different kinds of fiber that's available to businesses in South Africa? Just as a recap. Yeah. So um, maybe just a kind of precursor to answer that question. It's quite an interesting space at the moment. Um, interesting in the sense that the end user or consumer or whatever you want to term it, They've become very educated in what connectivity is and what it can provide, even down to the point of what the, the cost is. 
Um, so that makes it quite interesting for fiber network operators, for wholesale providers, because you get exposed to the end consumer. Like fiber to the home is a perfect example. Mm. The consumer knows who Frogfoot is. The consumer knows OpenServe, who Mattel, where in fact their contractual relationship and their service relationship is with the service provider. A yeah. cool idea is a MWeb, AfriHost. So it makes it quite interesting. Um, so there are some misconceptions about, you know, what connectivity is available. But I think to sum it up, for the market is kind of subdivided into three main segments. If you're talking business to business, okay, you've got um, large enterprise, which is national, multinational, big branch connectivity businesses, and then you have medium corporate, small medium corporate, and small medium enterprises. Those are kind of the triangle of the big market segments, and connectivity will range. Um, it's more down to the type of guarantees you get on the connectivity. I'm trying to simplify it a little bit. Yes. Well, so, that's important because, I mean, I, I, you know, part of the reason why I asked the question is is, is uh, like last week we got an email from a customer to say, you know, I'm on this type of, let's call it business connectivity fiber, mm. and now I can get uh, this price, which you alluded to earlier, but that's at an FTTH level. So a lot yeah. of the time that we spend, we try and explain to customers what – what, uh, you know what the different uh, types are, and you get what you pay for. So, Ab- absolutely, it's a you know people get a bit caught up in telecoms. Gets very technical. You know, I think we can all agree that, and people kind of get caught up in the whole technology aspect of it all. But we need to try and simplify it because the market is educated. They can go Google all these acronyms and all these terms, and they might be cleverer than us on the day. So, I think to answer your question, depending on what type of guarantee. And functionality you want. That's what terms the connectivity. Because effectively, I think for all the users out there, effectively what fiber is, is just basically someone decided to dig a hole in the ground, throw a piece of plastic in there, and in that piece of plastic is a thin strand of glass, and then they shoot some light across it. That's effectively what fiber connectivity is. Um, of course, a total like technology migration from the old copper, which is the same thing, just replacing the copper node with the glass medium. It's about it. And then, I, and then, am I right to assume then that the the let's call it the cheaper or the more cost effective the solution becomes, maybe the the uh, guarantee gets a little <coughs> bit more uh, extended, Correct. if you want to call Correct. it. Correct. So, I mean, the the capital outlay to install the services are you know fairly the same, fairly relative to the type of area. But the services provided on top of that is what we're talking about now. So if you are a large enterprise, you want certain guarantees. Basically, my internet or my connectivity will never go down. So for that, you're going to pay a premium. Um, you've got a greater demand for bandwidth. You've got a greater demand for a host of services. Then you move down the stack and you get down to an SME or maybe a consumer where you know, I'm okay because of the, my affordability, I'm fine for my fiber to be up 70% of the time. Okay. That's okay for me. As long as that 70% is in my business hours, I'm happy. So, I mean, we can go down and kind of break it down, but that's effectively what it is. If you want to be an educated consumer or buyer, you need to understand what you want from that service and eventually how um, your services are going to interact with that connectivity. I, I really like the way that you're positioning that because um, I think the – uh, you're 100% right. Uh, I think the, our industry tends to be a little bit schizophrenic. We can go over yeah. technical in some in some yeah. aspects and in some aspects the terms are so ubiquitous like like fiber. Everybody just goes, yeah, but what's the difference between this fiber and that fiber? It's fiber. And, um, and uh, I think you 
um, position it ideally now or perfectly now in the sense that your the the turnaround time or the uptime expectation that you have um, that's that's sort of what you're paying for. And, yeah, and you know, like it's like you say that that education also makes the the in customer. Um, Complicit in the decision that they make, they can't now okay. now ch- uh, choose the cheapest, and it's oh yeah, but I didn't know because the, the the education is actually available to them. It, it is, yeah, and I mean we we've got some service level agreement terms, um, I think synonymous with connectivity, and the one that's now become, I think, quite moving to the forefront quite a bit, which is called the best effort service. Now, um, very difficult to explain, and you know you don't want to upset some people, but if you are a consumer or a small medium enterprise, you are likely playing in that space where you're ordering a best effort service. Um, and what that means is that in the whole model of delivering that connectivity, there's the public domain where most fiber network operators, they've got a maintenance model that strives to repair that service within a maximum of eight hours. And I say strive because the model is built that way. Because there's some priorities. If you are a large enterprise, you're paying for maybe a four-hour meantime to repair. But where the best effort comes in is in what we call the last mile. So from the curb to where that service is actually plugged in. Now, there's some challenges there because the maintenance models are in those best effort services. They're not designed to go and beat the door down and say, I'm here. I need to fix this in five minutes. They'll knock on the door. And if someone says, oh, there's no one here to answer, they'll pop around the corner, have a KFC, not too stressed because it's a best effort service. My intention is to repair it in 24, 48 hours, but there's no guarantee. And by guarantee means there's no punitive contractual measure. Correct. So for a consumer, if your internet goes down at home and you're phoning a tier one support call center, you know, they'll mm-hmm. check the power, they'll check the route, all those things. If there's something wrong with the fiber service coming in there, it's likely the fiber network operator will already know about that. But because you've bought a best effort service, unfortunately, you drop down the priority list of fixing. So for most suburbs that have fiber to the home, the fix happens at a network layer. So there's a network problem that affects a few homes. So once that fix happens, all the homes get activated. So it's not like we're not delaying you as Yaku. It's the yes. suburb. Okay. There's a network issue that's actually up. But like I said, again, priority one is to fix the guy that's paying 100 rand, you paying five cents. So – that's just how economy works, and I and I assume the the more widespread your the the network goes, the more difficult it is to maintain that because you know you've got to be in areas that's not necessarily <coughs> that, that mainstream. Absolutely, absolutely, and I mean we we quickly quickly moving into the conversation of where connectivity is going and how technology is catching up with these maintenance models to fix faster, because when something is broken, everyone's losing money. But um, so before um, you were, we were actually I, I preempted now. But as to, just to go back to that last question mm. or the last conversation. So if you have a, a FTTH type service, which is like you say, cost effective, um, and your garden services puts a, a spade through the fiber that goes from the curb into your into your property, that's a that's it's going to take time. It's, it's not like uh, like you say, there's uh, going to be a nine on one repair squad that's there like within five minutes. To get you back up and running. It is absolutely going to take time. It's You've actually touched on um, one of the big challenges in the fiber to the home market at the moment. And I don't want to get too operational, but it's such a good example of because these things can happen. 
and you know it's difficult to prevent them. So the first question is who owns that infrastructure because the owner needs to fix it. So the consumer, so let's say Yaku has this experience and he phones his service provider X, whatever that internet service provider is, and they say, no, no problem, I'll get someone to come and fix it. So that someone may be Frogfoot in this case because they actually – um, they've installed the infrastructure, they've laid out the capital, so by definition, they own that infrastructure. But Frankfurt will send out someone to fix it. Now, when that person gets there, has to do an assessment of the cost to fix, the time to fix. Who's going to pay for this? Now, if you're paying 300 rand a month and you have to do an installation that costs, or a fix that costs 3,500 rand, it's basically your annual subscription that yeah. you're outlaying to fix the fault that your gardener made. Now, bear in mind, this is not covered by an insurer. So it becomes a bit challenging and, you know, where the market hasn't caught up yet. Because I've given you that best effort SLA, I'm not under pressure to fix it as a 911 service. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, and I think uh, from, a, from a consumer perspective or a customer perspective, um, one also has to be reasonable and say, in, in line with what it is that I'm paying, I understand what it is that I'm getting in return. 100%. So, so that leads me to the next question in, um, how, how, uh, how is it decided, uh, where the next fiber development is going to go? How do you guys decide I'm now going into George or Beaufort Vest <coughs> or Limpopo somewhere or? Yeah, I mean, uh, the model's quite easy. Um, Frogfoot has got a certain business strategy, and I think kind of that answers the question depending on what your strategy is. So I'll use Frogfoot as an example because it obviously applies to me. Um, we've got a model where we try not to overbuild. So by overbuild means if there's already fiber in the area, we won't go and build. We'll rather partner with the incumbent who's built the fiber um, to see if we can deliver our services over the infrastructure. Uh, overbuild is now like when you drive down Bryanson Drive and you see open serve and Vuma. Exactly. Trenching right next to each other. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just smart use of capital. You know, capital is a very scarce resource at the moment. So that helps us determine these areas. Um, that's the one aspect. So where there is, I mean, open service is a tricky one because they've built, um, conduits all over the country and it's very easy to swap out a copper with fiber. Um, challenging operationally, but in theory, it's quite easy. So, you know, OpenServe will consider very carefully if there's overbuild or not, but for the other competitors, we make sure we don't do that. So that, un that locks certain areas, like most of the dense high LSM metros, you know, we won't continue building there for fiber to the home. We'll rather partner. Secondly, and I think more importantly, we follow our core network footprint. So across the country, we've got, you know, some very strategic routes and, you know, they traverse the country from Cape Town to Joburg, Joburg down to Durban, Durban back to Cape Town. So along those routes, which was previously determined, I think small towns they were called, um, no disrespect to those towns, but they're growing now and the demand for internet is there. Um, so we follow those routes and we build out along those routes to all the towns. So, you know, for all the guys along the coastal routes, Cape Town going all the way up to Joburg, Joburg, then inland going up to Durban, and then in the Karoo, Joburg going back to Cape Town, you'll see that not only Frogfoot, um, but lots of FNOs will start popping up now, offering fiber services, which is, I think, great for everyone. So am I assuming correctly then that um, in the major metros, it's been sort of uh, at capacity, it's sort of reached saturation? Yeah, it, it is. It's um, the areas where you can still build fiber 
have become quite difficult to build. Um, number one, due to maybe wayleaf conditions, just um, the difficulty to get a trench in there. And also they've been saturated by very good stable wireless services. Okay. Um, and fiber penetration. And when we talk about penetration, we're talking specific to I've built fiber to that area and how much of that fiber has actually been consumed. Um, fiber penetration in South African metros is quite high actually compared to the um, global averages. Okay. Yeah. So, so we are talking those little peri-urban rural towns now. Okay. So, so that, um, is almost, uh, that leads into my next question. Mm. Um, in the sense that, so, um, what is the, this hybrid work, work world? Um, I hate to keep on referring to this term, but, uh, now post pandemic and everybody was working from home and we sort of coming out of this slumber. What does the, the landscape look like in this hybrid work world? Um, it's, it's an interesting topic. I mean, and you, you know, I was, I brought my laptop here because there's a lot of stats that's been posted around, um, you know, the softer side of things. So, um, how it's changed the workplace culture, you know, how it has changed people's social environment, their health, their fitness, um, and then productivity, obviously the big one. So all of these indicators are massively positive for a hybrid work from home model. The challenge is, um, well, the problem statement is really the business is not ready. So it's a, quite a broad statement. And I think to break it down that the technology is there. And I'll give you, you know, quite a good analogy, which I think is relevant to anyone that's worked in a corporate office. So you as a business owner, Yaku, you'll know that, you know, historically we've spent a lot of money on multimedia and collaboration services in the office. But it's that old joke, oh, I bought this new wonderful multimedia service, but before every meeting I need to phone IT to actually <laughs> put the damn thing on. I mean, it's it's a common thing that happens. Yeah. But now when you work from home, you know, just by logging in, you have access to better collaboration services. I mean, we're talking everything from Microsoft Teams, the Cisco WebExes of the world, even just a simple Zoom call. Um, so from that regard, the technology is there. But I think the overall business isn't ready because they haven't, you know, adopted simple things like the culture changes. They haven't ensured that there's stable connectivity at every um, employee's home. So the landscape, I think, has changed for the better, and it must be said that we're not going back. You know, we're not. It's going to be a hybrid work model. It yeah. may be a full hundred percent work from home model, but there's no going back. But what does that look like for a for a business? So, so I mean, uh, I think most. Uh, let's let's forget the the east side of the SME, but sure. most businesses need some form of business address. Okay, so there's still, there's still some form of enterprise connectivity or business connectivity that needs to go to an address, and then you have people now scattered a, a, across the country. Ninety uh, percent of, of them are probably in George or or um, yeah. Stellenbosch or something like that. But um, how has that affected how how businesses uh, choose and procure connectivity? Um, so initially there was a bit of a panic, and you know I think it took. Um, CTOs and CFOs um, a good few months after the pandem pandemic ended to make like a firm decision. But effectively, it just became around cost reduction. I think that's what mm. drove a lot of what we see is happening today. And cost reduction in the sense of, well, I used to have 100 employees working maybe four days a week, and now I've got 20 employees working four days a week. 
do I still need a one gig line as an example? Yeah. Okay. Um, and the answer is you probably still do need the one gig line. It's just it's not cost effective anymore because now your whole OPEX model, your EBITDA model, your ROI models are all falling apart. Mm. So I think the answer is is just to relook at those models, you know, and apply all these new productivity stats. And where you do save the money, you have to reinvest it back into the business. And in fact, that investment needs to, in some cases, double to activate newer connectivity streams to the older employees. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and and in this, uh, when people uh, do you see that businesses procure FTTH type services on behalf of the employees, or do they typically just say to them, "Listen, Ulrich, you're living in George now. I'm not sure what there is a allowance and and sort yourself out." Yeah, on average, what we're seeing is there hasn't been a big deliberate push for a lot of employers to actually have those models. So, you have very simple models to say, "Well, I'll subsidize you. Part of okay. your salary there's 500 bucks." Um, go and procure some connectivity and make sure it's stable. But now the onus is on you to have stable connectivity at home, which rightly or wrongly, I think that's where it is right now. And, and it will change. You know, once businesses actually formalize a culture, a hybrid culture, and they realize that if I'm going to maintain the 67% increase in productivity, I need to spend that money because it's not sustainable if I don't spend the money. And and to me, that, that um, sort of that, Post-pandemic mindset for me is almost a bit of a weird place around where the market's at in in in, in two scenarios. So number one, um, where you, you and I had this conversation previously, where where we sometimes we now find a business owner that has a lease on a on a, a business premises, but they all of a sudden say, "Yeah, but I, d- I don't want to sign a contract, or yeah. I want to sign a, a, a term contract," and then the the but at the same time, I want uh, the cheapest price that I can get out in the market. And that trade-off between cost and, and uh, like you said, uh, reliability. Yeah, yeah. And then the um, also trying to explain to a business owner that the shorter the period, the more expensive that service becomes because, like you uh, pointed out earlier, there's a CapEx model at, uh, associated to it. Sure. Yeah, it's that's the danger, I think, for – um, telecommunications company who've basically built out their business on supplying connectivity to the market. So fixed line connectivity or wholesale data as it's termed, um, the margins have always been traditionally low. Um, but now you have this, and I mean, I'll repeat the analogy for those that weren't privy to our conversation. If you are a high-ranking executive in a business who's a decision maker, so you likely have very good connectivity at home, um, quite stable, you've got a good um, almost enterprise type Wi-Fi system that connects everyone. All the tablets are connected. It's all happy days. And you likely have good 5G coverage because you're living in a great neighborhood. So you're happy. And I think besides the, the investment you've done in your Wi-Fi, um, and outside of your mobile spend, you're probably in for about 1,400, 1,500 bucks, which is, I think, fairly relative for good connectivity and affordable for high LSM earner. So this individual hops in his car, he's on the way to the office. He's got decent 5G coverage all the way there. You know, he can listen to his emails through Siri and he can do all wonderful things. And he gets to the office and knowing the ins and outs of the business, he's paying 35,000 Rand for connectivity at the office. Comparable connectivity we're talking about, not all the hardware stuff. Yeah. And he gets to the office and he logs in and he says, oh, what's happening here? The Wi-Fi is not working. Let me phone IT. Oh, no, one of the hotspots are down. And he's banging himself on the table thinking, what's going on? 
So I need the same quality connectivity that I actually have control over and that I'm not locked into a contract. I want the same in the office. Why can't I have that? 1,500 versus 30,000 rand. And now this is kind of where the hybrid connectivity market is sitting. Oh, my goodness. This is real now. And that individual is so educated that he doesn't have to phone the biggest system integrator in the country, the obvious name. He yeah. can phone Pete Pompey and Pete Pompey can provide him the same quality of connectivity, not necessarily off the price though. Yeah. And I think this is where we are at the moment. So it is that state of flux for those different type of services to normalize each other. And it's going to take um, very resilient fiber network operators, you know, to push through all of this. But but that that there there are some misconceptions around that because like you say uh, that executive that you explain now probably has good infrastructure in the area where they live because of the LSM that they operate in. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that if you've got a staff complement of hundred employees, it's going to be the same for everybody, and that you can now say okay right so at my at my office address I want the same as what I have at home. Absolutely. Um. So. What other misconceptions would you say there are or, or, or mistakes that, that companies make when they procure their connectivity? Um, I'm, I'm trying mm. to get to a point of, um, you know, what do you see out in the market that, that gets sort of uh, re- repeated so that we can uh, advise people to, to avoid those type of mistakes? Um, I think there's like two common, and I won't call them errors. I just think it's a bit, it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. So trying to... Um, save a cost that is material to your business on connectivity is the wrong way to do things because it is probably, you know, it's become a utility. So it's like, you know, I, I want to dim the lights in my office effectively and that's going to save me five rand a month. It doesn't make sense. It definitely affects your productivity. I love that. You, you know, understand what I'm saying? And yeah. so it's not the first thing you go to, even though there is quote unquote cheaper connectivity available. If your connectivity has been working and it's been in your budget, how do you want to change it? You know, in fact, you should actually use that connectivity or that spend more effectively and look at the technology or services across that to say, am I using the right collaboration tools? You know, am I perhaps maybe overspending on my licenses for my employees? Or maybe there are some hybrid payers you use collaboration models available. The underlying connectivity is not what's going to save you the money. You know, because what we're seeing also is guys try and reduce the cost at their office by 10,000 rand a month and three months later, oh yeah, I need to upgrade that service now. Sure, the prices become cheaper. Fair enough. So you don't still do overall net saving, but just too much frustration. I, I, I can't even say anything more than that. That's so spot on. We see that every day yeah. um, out there. Um, okay, so let's get, uh, let's get a little bit more controversial. Right. So you're in the hot seat now. So <laughs> there's a lot of um, consolidation type plays happening in the market. I mean, we've seen Vodacom make a play for this DFA Vuma type story. Yep. MTN is talking about Telcom, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it looks like the guys with the big pockets on have this appetite for, for, um, consolidating the market or, or chowing up some of the competition. Um, what is the implication of that to to the consumer, to the or to the to a business user? I've got my opinion, uh, yeah. where where that it scares the living daylights out of me. <laughs> but um, give so us your all opinion. the all the telecom strategists are now perking their ears up. I'm very sure. Um, 
Yeah, it's a very interesting situation. And, you know, if you think about the, the mobile world, it's been a very monopolized world. And I think telecommunications in South Africa is, have almost like succumbed to that is the state of play. And for these things to be happening now, to become more monopolized, it's almost like, ah, you know, it's okay. We're used to this. But the irony is that the level of competition in South Africa for connectivity is so high. I mean, compared to world averages that it's almost like it's not surprising because we're used to this monopoly play, but it's, it's concerning that you have um, the big players now consolidating to effectively start creating the rules again. Um, I mean, I can go on like, we should do another podcast about this because I could go on like this about this specific shift in the market. But effectively, there are um, some players in the market that have put up defense. And how you kind of defend against this is it's basically your share of the market. So you either have a massive share in the market where you own or have control over infrastructure, which all the big guys are doing now, or you have um, – Suppose a big market cap of subscribers, so the likes of AfriHost Group. No one will mess with them because they've got a good subscriber base. Um, so they're okay, but they need to make a play because they don't have infrastructure. So to, to remain competitive, I've got to have access or own infrastructure to compete with all these big guys. Um, to come to your question, how it affects the consumer, today it's a good thing because um, – there is this need to be competitive. There's this need to bring revenue and profitable revenue. So all the guys that maybe are threatened are going to react. And how they're going to react is mm. I need consumers. Con, um, I think compounded annual growth forecasted for the next two years is about 3% on fixed services. So there's not a lot of net new growth. So what do we do? We take from each other. Yeah, It's been normal for the past couple of years. And, you know, guys will react by saying, well, if we're going to have this massive superpower that is Vodacom et al., I need to make sure that I get my piece of the pie. And where? I'm going to take from their pie. So for the consumer, um, connectivity will become a lot more stable, 100%. Um, the quality will definitely be there. Those guarantees for the rand you pay will increase over time, 100%. Um, what happens if we allow the monopolization I'm too afraid to comment. So I like what you're saying now because that to me feeds back into um, as a as a consumer or as a business customer, I've, I also have a, a responsibility to make sure that I don't um, play into the hands of, of ending up in a monopolized world. So I've spoken about this a lot where, you know, in the, in the early deregulation days, uh, at those stage, everybody was moaning about, let's say, for example, the voice rates of telecom. Yeah. But when alternatives um, came into the market, they still go, uh, like, I'll give it a try. And if I'm not happy for one day, I'm going back to telecom. Yeah. So you, you're actually playing into the, into the, into this. That's a, that monopolized scenario that you're actually uh, complaining about, but but you're perpetuating the situation. So as a as a um, business uh, customer or as a consumer, I've got to be awake and say, um, I I almost want to say I want to give the smaller guy a chance, yeah, and and be a, I don't want to say be a bit more lenient, but work a, a bit longer with them in order to make sure that they've got a fair chance and and that I don't end up monopolizing my own services. Well, 100%. But uh, however, um, I would also caution them that seeing that you want to be an educated consumer, no problem. We appreciate that. But if the the big monopoly player 
is offering you a superb customer service, by all means, because then they've earned the right. <laughs> they've absolutely earned the right. So, you know, it is a bit of an a whole big irony of it all. Yeah. But I do agree with you. You know, if we have the opportunity, we should try and avoid the big monopoly. So if you look at some stats today, 60, maybe 8% of South Africans have got internet access, but only 11% of those is fixed line, so i.e. fiber. And that's a scary stat. The other balance is on mobile subscribers, mobile data, prepaid data. So there is still a big monopoly on internet connectivity across the country. And this is why, you know, access to funding for fiber will still be there. Massive, massive investment in fiber connectivity. And it's to enable that consumer you know, to get internet access. Um, so it's still quite monopolized, the internet connectivity space. Um, okay, cool. Um, so then, uh, we always end the, end the show by, by making stuff real. Mm-hmm. So if, if a business owner has now listened to, to some of the knowledge that you imparted here, what advice would you give to a business owner? So if I sat and I listened to this and I'm going, mm, maybe it's worthwhile, you know, having a look or reviewing what I've got. What advice do you have? Um, so I would advise a business owner to, just write down on a piece of paper, what is it that I want from my connectivity? And it doesn't have to be technical. Pick three things. The most important thing, even if it's softer side of things, I want my employees to be happy. Could even be one. doesn't matter what it is, but you have to decide for yourself in a vacuum, what is it that you want from that connectivity? It could just be, I want Microsoft Teams to work. Because, And then if you engage with any service provider, they should be skilled enough to to kind of Take your needs and articulate it back to what it is that you actually want. So is it a better Cisco WebEx license or is it actually stable connectivity? So don't try and overthink it is basically my answer. You know, there are so many internet service providers or fiber connectivity providers out there and all of them are technically apt. They should be able to help you. And and I think that if you go and write it down on a piece of paper, you, it's probably going to reveal to you what you really want and and prevent you from getting uh, precisely you know a, a sales job done on you. Precisely. Orich, thank you very much. We're definitely going to do this again. I think uh, we don't have enough time for all of the stuff that we need to talk about. Thank you very much. Awesome, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Echo. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember that you can listen to all of the episodes on the Cliff Central app or website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen. And uh, if you're looking for help with communications tools in your business, please visit catalytic.co.za.